Good morning. Good morning to all. Welcome this morning. Uh, so good to, to see everyone. I hope everyone's had a great week. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, um, like my beautiful wife Sam said, my name's also Sam. It makes opening our mail very interesting, but uh, it's good to have you here this morning for our Christmas gathering. And uh, as Samantha said, a Christmas can be a real time of joy and reflection and celebration, um, but as she said, it can also be a challenging time. Um, perhaps you're here this morning and you've lost a loved one, and um, this is going to be the first Christmas without that special person around the table. That's going to be really hard, or, or maybe you've, you've had a divorce and, and this year the kids won't be there, or um, maybe you've immigrated and you're not going to be there with your family and I just want to acknowledge that Christmas can bring a variety of emotions um, but what I believe is that within those emotions the story of Christmas the story of Christ coming into this world brings great hope and I believe that hope can supersede any of those natural earthly circumstances that we find ourselves in and um, we're going to be talking about that hope today so to start off, we're going to be going back to the very first Christmas, 2,023 years ago. Uh, I'm going to be reading from Luke's Gospel, which records the events, and we're just going to read through what it says. So if you're wanting to follow along, I'm in Luke chapter 2, if you've got your Bible here. Um, otherwise, you can listen along. So Luke chapter 2, or Luke chapter 1, sorry. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so Elizabeth was Mary's cousin, she gave birth to John the Baptist. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Fair enough. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. So the name Jesus means God saves. God saves. It was a, a declaration of why he came. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Another fair question. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. God would take on flesh and enter our world. He would incarnate. He would, he would come to save his people. Uh, so that was the message given to Mary. In chapter 2, we read how it was fulfilled. So I'm going to read that to you. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to, Ju to, Ju to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. 
Fair enough. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. You know, the Christmas story is good news, and it should bring great joy. It should bring a sense of hope, because in it, Jesus, God himself, has drawn near, and through him, redemption is available. Through him, eternal life is available. We don't, actually, we don't only have the hope of, of having our sins forgiven, being at peace with God, being restored, and being in union with our Creator. We don't only have the hope of having the Holy Spirit guide us through life, but we have the hope of inheriting an infinitely better life when we pass from this world. We have the hope of eternity. We have the hope of inheriting a world without pain, without suffering, without evil, without sickness, without decay, without blemish. That is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And this week, as I've been thinking about that hope, I think it's really important, particularly in the time that we live, that our hope is fixed and our heart is set on that eternal life that Jesus brings. You know, the world we live in today, uh, it's full of instability. It's full of instability. You look around and there's wars breaking out. People are literally losing life as they know it in a moment. Their livelihoods, their family, their schooling, their community. Uh, there's cost of living crises. There's economic pressures. There's new strands of sicknesses. There's natural disasters going on everywhere. Everything in this world seems to be so unstable at the moment. And the reality is, is the things of this life can, go, can be gone in a moment. The things in this life can be taken. And we might seem disconnected from it here in New Zealand, but that could reach our shores too. And the things that we've built our lives on, the things that give our lives meaning, the things, the material things that we see, they can be gone in a moment. But Jesus, in coming and in his life, death, and resurrection, he gives us a hope that cannot be taken, a hope that cannot be shaken, a hope that's sure, a hope that we can be confident in, a hope that we can build our lives on. That is the message of the good news. And uh, when, we, when we're grounded to this hope, I believe it can give us a sense of joy, no matter the circumstances. It can give us peace when the world around us is decaying. It can give us hope when things are going wrong, because it's so much greater. Uh, the Apostle Peter, uh, pastor of an early church, reminded his church of this hope in a time where their world was out of control, where there was suffering, where there was persecution. This is what he said to the early church in 1 Peter 1. Praise be to God, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope, a hope that is alive through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Can never perish, spoil, or fade. Everything in this life eventually will come to an end, but the hope Jesus gives us endures forever. It will never perish. It will never spoil. 
it will never fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, if you've put your faith in Jesus, you've been born into a living hope. You've been born into something that cannot be taken from you, that will not be shaken, that stands firm and secure no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what's happening around you, no matter what the latest news headline reads, you have a certain and sure hope. And you can approach life with joy and with peace. Uh, and when we learn to, uh, to, to fix our eyes on this, I really believe it anchors us and it grounds us and it gives us an ability to live well despite what's going on in the world because our hope's not in the things of the world. Our hope is in something far greater. Paul says this in his letter to the Romans, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. You know, you might be going through a hard time at the moment. I want to tell you, if you have Jesus, what you're going through now is nothing compared to the glory that you will inherit. It's nothing. This life is but a grain of sand in the context of things. When we have that hope, it brings perspective. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. You know, when Christ returns, the entire creation's going to be redeemed. The world is going to be as it should be. No natural disasters, no evil, no pain, no strife, no backbiting, no uh, fallout in relationships. It's going to be perfection. And we have that hope. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present moment. And we believers also groan even, it grown, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long too our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. You know, when Christ returns, we get a brand new body. We get a glorified body. We get a perfect body. You know, you might have aches and pains and sickness that is temporal. You're, you're inheriting something eternal. That keeps, you, that keeps you anchored. It gives you hope. No matter what you are going through, that is going to come to an end. And something is going to outlast that. You will live in paradise for eternity. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as, as his adopted children, including the new bodies he promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. Isn't that good news? Shouldn't that cause great joy? Man, maybe you're stressed at the moment. Maybe there's things going on in your family. Maybe there's financial pressures. Maybe you're, you're just feeling the weight of what's happening in the world. There's hope. It's going to come to the end. He hasn't only promised that he's with you now in this life, that he will guide you in the paths of life, that he will see you through, but we have something infinitely greater that anchors us through these times. You have hope. Jesus broke in. And he changed everything. And this hope we have, it will not disappoint. God has already revealed how much he loves you by sending Jesus. While you were at, his, at your worst, he hung on that cross and died for you. It will not disappoint. He can be trusted. He can be trusted. This is what Paul said in Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, by faith, not by what we do, not by how good we are, but by our faith in what Jesus has done, we are made right. We have peace with God 
because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Isn't that a great message? You have peace with God. He's not counting your sins against you. He is for you. He is with you. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Because of your faith, you're in a standing place of grace, unmerited favor, and you can confidently look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You know, we can have a perspective of hope. That hope won't disappoint That hope won't let you down. Perhaps you've been disappointed before. God will not disappoint. That hope is sure and steadfast. Uh, I was reflecting on Christmas this week, and, and the big focus for us often in Christmas, it's on the birth of Christ. It's on Christ coming and breaking in. But interestingly enough, for the early church, their focus in this time leading up to Christmas, it wasn't on the birth, it's not so much on the birth of Christ, it's on the fact that Christ is coming again. They fixed their hearts and minds on the fact that Christ started something 2,000 years ago, but he's also coming back to complete it. And uh, that is where the true hope is, that is where our anchor should be. We have hope in this world and this life, but ultimately things aren't guaranteed in this world, so our hope should be fixed on the life to come. I often read the scripture in Revelation 21 because it gives us a glimpse of that life to come. And this is where our true hope is. I want to share it with you this morning. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Sorry, surfers. (laughs) That's a metaphor for chaos. Chaos was gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them forever, and they will be his people. The creator himself, the one that breathed this world into being, dwelling and living with his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things will be gone forever. That is the hope that Jesus pronounced in coming and he's coming back to complete. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more evil, no more injustice, just the world as it should be with God at the center. I'd just like to invite the the band to come up. You know, tomorrow um, we're going to be celebrating Christmas. We're going to be exchanging gifts and being with family for a lot of us. Uh, I'd really love us to reflect on the true gift of Christmas. You know, that those gifts we give each other tomorrow, those are going to fade eventually. If you're like me, you might get a pack of undies that you get each year. Um, <laughs> and size, size medium when I'm size extra large. Um, but <laughs> uh, those gifts, they're not going to last forever. 
You know, they're not going to last. Those circumstances you find yourself in, whether good or bad, celebrate it, enjoy it. If you're grieving, sit in it. But they're going to change eventually. But there's one gift that will never change. There's one gift that no matter the gift you're given or not given or the circumstance you're in, that will remain. Reflect on that. Reflect on that this Christmas. He is with you now if you've given your heart to him. He'll see you through the tough seasons you're in. He will guide you in his paths of life and he'll welcome you into eternity. And I'd like to invite everyone to stand this morning. Um, Yeah, if you'd stand to your feet. Just like to finish this morning um, by giving anyone here who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior an opportunity to start that journey. And to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, what it means is it means that you, you come to the realization that you have sin in your life, that you need God. It says in the Bible, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that none of us make it on our own. None of us measure up. I don't even live up to my own standard most of the time, much less to a holy, perfect God. We all fall short. And what it is, it's to turn your life towards God, to make him king of your life, and to start a trajectory of following him and walking towards him. And it's a free gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to be better. You just have to receive what Jesus did for you, turn to him, and follow the one that made you, that fashioned you, that designed you, that planned you, and that holds this entire world together. And so I'd like us all to bow our heads um, and close your eyes. If that's you this morning and you want to give your life to Christ, I'd just love it if you gave me a small wave as an acknowledgement of you taking ownership of that decision. Just going to give everyone a moment. Awesome. Hey, we're going to pray a prayer as a church. Um, I'd love everyone to pray this. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for entering my world. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you that you love me. Today, Lord, I respond to what you have done with faith. I give my life to you. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.